All right. Happy 2018. Happy New Year, guys. And uh, today is what we call our ministry crawl here at Fellowship of Faith. And today we're going to be talking about why we crawl. And the way I want to start this is by showing you that something that God wants for each and every one of us here today. This is from Ephesians chapter 4. Let me just read it to you. It says this, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it until we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. So there's this amazing promise. And the amazing promise is that God is dishing out grace. That for those of us who are in him, God is pouring out grace. He's apportioning it. And he's apportioning this grace to each of us more and more and more. I mean, if if your cup is this big, God is going to give you this much grace, all right? If your stomach is this big, God is going to fill you with this much grace. If you're a Grinch and your heart is four sizes too small, he's going to go Grinch on you and give you so much grace that your heart starts busting from the scenes. So what it says is that God wants to lavish on you this gift that the New Testament calls grace. He just wants to pour it on you. He wants to dump it on you, apportioning it to each and every one of you here, I don't care who you are, to each and every one of you until we become mature and attain the full measure or fullness in Christ. The idea is this, that in him we're changing. The the, the theological term for this is that we're transforming, but it just means that we're changing. And the metaphor that the Bible likes to use for this change is growing up or maturing. And you got to think about it like this. Each of us in this room, at one point, were a baby. Now we're not. And when you look at who we were as a baby compared to now, there's a number of similarities. We're still the same person, right? And yet... We're something very, very different. And so spiritually, what God invites us to is to receive this grace that he wants to lavish on us and to change us or mature us or grow us up so that while we will be the same in many ways, like infant to adult, in many ways we will be something different. And for the New Testament, this is, this is like a good thing, because just like infancy to adult, would you agree that, that going to the bathroom in your pants is an overrated experience, right? And having to ask your parents' permission about whether you can have a cookie kind of had its place once upon a time, but is a little tired at the age of 35. Would you agree? So in the same way, the New Testament casts this as a good thing that God sees this as important for us, that God wanting us to grow up, to mature, 
is something intended by him and good for us. And this is why we crawl. Because crawling is an important part of the developmental stage of growing up. Now, in my limited experience, I have not seen an infant who barely has the neck strength to hold its head up the next day go into a breakneck sprint. You know what I mean? And it, while it would be kind of cool to see that, although admittedly a bit freaky, it wouldn't be a good thing. I mean, can you imagine that? If they didn't have that intermittent phase of developing the, the bone strength, the muscle strength, the navigational skills while you're still low to the ground and crawling. What would happen if a baby were to skip that stage and find in one limited way that it could sprint? I mean, we're talking stairs, we're talking splattering on the ground, we're talking, but it wouldn't be pretty. And likewise, when it comes to our spiritual maturity. When we become a Christian, we don't automatically become spiritually mature. We don't go from infancy to adulthood. And that's a good thing. Because for God, there's a process, a process that's so important to our spiritual development, gaining the skills, gaining the strength, gaining the things we need every developmental step along the way. And this is why we crawl. It's why we crawl physically. It's why we crawl spiritually. Now, here at FOF, there's five ways that we often talk about what spiritual maturity looks like. Or maybe better put, five ways God is calling us to mature in him. Let me show these to you. We kind of label them with these re-words. Reconnect, reaffirm, restart, re-give, and reignite. Read them through on your own, but as you do, I'll just explain briefly. For God, spiritual maturity means connecting, reconnecting every day, not only with him, but with those who are part of our spiritual family. Reconnecting in worship and in smaller settings. Every day, spiritual maturity becomes about reaffirming who he is and what that means for our life, reaffirming Jesus as our authority, reaffirming the Bible as our worldview, reaffirming, reaffirming the, 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 the history of believers who have gone before us as guides in the process. Spiritual maturity means restarting. Restarting every day, after every fall, after every bump, after every time we take a spill, after every time that we are kind of toddling around and wipe out, you know what I mean? Restarting our lives every day with God and repentance, examining ourselves, looking at those areas of where we are underdeveloped, where we are immature, and coming to God in that and recommitting daily to follow Him. It means regiving. Regiving back to him all uh, these things, a portion of these things at least of what he's given us and doing it generously and sacrificially and with a first portion proportion, giving our time, giving our money, giving our energy, giving our focus, giving ourselves back in service 
and love to him. And it means reigniting, reigniting what he's trying to do in this world by witnessing to others and discipling. Just five ways that we've come to try to summarize what spiritual maturity looks like. Now, what I'd like to do is a brief exercise with you this morning. Um, I encourage you to write this down. Grab a card, grab an envelope or something like that, and just, just jot it down, all right? What I'd like to do is have you rate yourself in these five categories. So you should come up with five numbers by the end of this exercise. What I'd like you to do is rate yourself in each of these five on a scale of one to a hundred of where you perceive yourself being today. 100 indicating I am fully mature. I am fully spiritually mature in Christ. He has brought me as far as he is going to bring me in the maturation process. I am like, boom, I am there. That's 100. And like one would be like, man, I am like unborn. You know, I'm not even an infant. It's like I don't even exist in this arena. Are you with me? Take about 10 seconds don't overthink it, and very briefly, rate yourself from one to a hundred in each. Now, the number itself isn't important. Or better put, the number you put for me is secondary. The point is this. My suspicion is that when you look at your list, none of you put 100. Now, I could be wrong in this, but my suspicion is that if we were to share all of the numbers that we put in this room, no one is probably sitting here today going, yeah, baby, I'm there. 100. Which means this. No matter where you put your number, be it 1, 30, 75, or 90, doesn't that indicate to you that God isn't done with you yet? And if God's goal for you is to mature you, to change you, to grow you up in him, the question then becomes, how do you look at that number and take it to the next incremental step? Do you follow? Now, something else. As you look at those numbers today, I also am going to make a bet that at least for the majority of us in this room, you didn't rank all five of these categories equally. You know, unless you were like totally lazy and checking it out and just went like 50, 50, 50, 50, right down to get it over with, my bet is that if you gave it some actual reflective thought here today, your reconnect number is probably different than your reaffirm number. Your reaffirm number is probably different than your restart, than your re-give and reignite and so forth. Yeah? Probably? Which should show us something that we don't always mature in every single way evenly. Now, kids know this. 
Because kids know from a, from, from a daily experience that, that sometimes their bodies are outpacing their minds, sometimes their emotions are lagging behind their cognitive development, and they know that they're at all different places. It's why teenagers have feet that are like size 14 and act like seven-year-olds still, right? Because we develop and mature in different ways. But the problem for us who call ourselves adults is this. By the time we hit adulthood, things have kind of balanced themselves out. Proportions seem to have evened out in all these different areas of development. And so we wrongly assume that it has spiritually as well. But in my experience, just because my body has developed, just because my career has developed, just because my relational situations have developed, that doesn't mean my soul has grown up too. I'll give you one example that might speak to this. Dancing. My bet is that if we were to have a dance-off right now in this room, we would see that so many people here dance in an underdeveloped, immature, non-grown-up kind of way. Guys, you know how this works, right? You're dragged to a wedding with your wife, and they start playing the music, and they want to go on the dance floor, and you would rather die a thousand deaths than step out into that place. And you know that if you don't, the repercussions of it are not worth going out and making a fool of yourself, so you let her drag you out, not for the fast dance, but for the slow one. Because the slow dance is safe. It is underdeveloped. It is immature. It is simple because all you have to do is this. Are you with me? Are you with me? Because at some point in our lives, we've stopped developing in our dancing skills. And as funny as it is to laugh it off, look at what it costs us. You ever watch someone who just knows how to dance? And there's that secret part in your heart that you don't like to admit to your friends out loud that's like, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could look like that. You ever see these people who spend monotonous hours on a treadmill, boom, 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 when all the while you can burn more calories by dancing, Right? And let's not close off all the other relational avenues, shall I say, that it opens as well. I mean, we, we cost ourselves by limiting us in a certain way. But the reality is we don't all develop in the same degree. Now, for some of us here, that leads to shame. We know we're not grown up in some way and we're ashamed of it. So we don't admit it. We don't really talk about it. We try to kind of keep it tucked away or better. We try to avoid situations where it may come out, where I may be forced to be seen on the dance floor. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we close off certain ways and stay away from it out of this internal sense of embarrassment or shame. But can I ask you, have you ever seen someone shame a baby? Have you ever seen someone shame a baby? Go up to a baby. They're six months old and they're not crawling yet. 
Oh, shame on you, baby. Bad baby. It's ludicrous, isn't it? Have you ever seen a baby paralyzed in existential crisis because it could not yet crawl or walk? And yet, as adults, how often do we do exactly that? Afraid. Afraid that God might be shaming us, that God might be ashamed of us. But i got to tell you guys, God is like a parent who delights in your every step. It's why he calls himself Father. We were visiting family in Indiana this past week, and my wife's sister has a six-month-old now. And for those of you who have ever lived through those infancy years, you know that the way someone develops, it's like every day is this new epiphany. And it was fun to watch these first-time parents delighting in their child, delighting in the little steps, the little things, the little motions or crawls or slurs or whatever it might be, as though this was the greatest thing ever. Not once did I hear my sister-in-law or her husband go, oh, Hadley, how dare you not be more developed than this today? Guys, it's the same with you. God is delighting in you. He's delighting in every step, every incremental step of growth. He is boring the angels in heaven with stories and pictures of how you're growing, and they're seriously up there like not this again, but he cannot contain himself because God delights in his Kids, for those of you who are here today mired in shame, shame of where you're at or how you're underdeveloped or what you're not, take a new approach instead and just embrace that new stage of development and let God Celebrate it with you every step of the way. So how do you do it? How do you take the 35 you put on reaffirm or the 62 you put on regive? If that, in fact, does represent your spiritual maturity, how do you take that number and not try to jump to 100 but instead move it up two or three or five points on the notch. You know, the best advice I've ever heard for this came from a, uh, a seminary professor I actually had for one class. And when I say one class, I don't mean one course. I mean he substitute taught for one specific 50-minute class. And it was life-changing. His name was Reed Lessing. He's actually come and spoke here a few times. And the guy is like, he's a machine. He speaks nationally and I believe even internationally. He's a pastor of a church now again. He turns out commentary after commentary and the stuff is good. And he's got this heart that when you're around him, you go, this guy actually like loves Jesus. Not a common thing all the time when you meet seminary professors. 
and seems to really know him too. Not just know things about him, but know him. You know what I mean? It was several years ago, he came here to Fellowship of Faith. He was speaking at one of our Saturday morning seminars. And I was contemplating doing some postgraduate work. But I was ashamed. I was paralyzed. I was afraid. Because internally, the, the self-talk was kind of going like this. I don't know my biblical languages well enough again, and if only I knew them well, then I could do it. And I haven't learned German yet, and I haven't learned French yet, and I've been out of the school scene for like a decade, and, and I'm going to be back in with people who are immersed in this, and I'm going to look stupid, and I'm going to feel ashamed, and it's going to be embarrassing because it's going to reveal to everyone in the class just how stunted and underdeveloped and underprepared I am to jump in and engage this whole new experience that I want, but that I'm missing because of my shame. Now, I didn't say all this. I just came up with the typical excuses. Well, you know, I need to kind of brush up some things more and kind of get some things in order. You know how we do the dodge, right? And I remember him looking at me. And I remember him looking at me and saying three words, and they're the same three words I want to share with you today. Dave, just start. He said this, just take a class. Stop worrying about the entire process. Stop worrying about the end goal. Stop worrying about everything that needs to be in place. No, God will give that to you as you go. The point of it is he's developing that into you. Just take that first step. Just take a class and let it start to gain momentum from there. It sounds so absurd, doesn't it? But for me, it changed everything in that regard. It took away the fear, the shame, and all the excuses I put up. And it just gave me a simple way to begin entering a process of what I wanted to do and what I was hoping God would do in me. Where are you at on this? Wherever it might be, know that God is going to meet you exactly where you're at. Whether you're at 2 or 90, he's going to meet you right there in that place with a smile on his face and say to you, hey, come on. Come on. Come follow me. And if you do, if you're willing to crawl, to just take that next step in the developmental process of your soul without shame or embarrassment or excuse, God is going to do something in you. He's going to change you. He's going to mature you. He's going to grow you up into the fullness of who he created you to be. And so that's my hope for you this year. Is that you take those next steps. Those next simple steps, whatever they might be, 
in each of these areas as you hear his voice saying, come follow me. So today we're going to commune. And in preparation for this, I'm going to invite the band forward and invite you to rise. One of the things we do here at Fellowship of Faith is called faith challenges. These are meant to be little incremental steps to help people along the way. And part of them is reading the Bible and other parts of them are memorizing. And there's this amazing passage that I want to share with you today that you might be familiar with or maybe not, but it goes like this. This early follower of Jesus writes, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of his son Jesus purifies us from all sin. He goes on and says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we say we're hundreds, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we prepare for this meal, it's always good to do it with a heart check with a time of confession and repentance and recommitted. So I just invite you these next few moments to examine your own heart. Confess what needs confessing. Admit what needs admitting. And to ask God to develop you in those areas here today. Let's pray. If you'd like, I invite you to pray with me. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, he broke it, 
He gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He took a cup after supper and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them and he said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Come and do this in remembrance of me. Welcome. Welcome.